and hello everybody and welcome to doing time where humans talk about their experience in a psych ward today we have special guests lauren pratt how are you good how are you i'm good thanks why you all of a sudden get nervous you're so outgoing (laughs) don't be nervous it's only a podcast about mental health and anxiety (laughs) and being nervous all the time so don't be nervous (laughs) um kept me up so as you know, um, on the podcast, first question I ask is how much time have you done? And for people who haven't listened to the podcast, it just means how much therapy or how much time you felt like you've spent in your head that was, you know, like unlogical or it's mostly how much time you've done in a psych word, but it kind of extends beyond that. Cause I have a lot of guests that haven't been in one on here too. I have been in one. Okay. Um, so oh. I will <laughs> <laughs> buckle in. Here we go. The roller coaster. Um, <laughs> So I spent five days in an actual hospital mm-hmm. um, in Hinsdale, I think, mm-hmm. Illinois. Mm-hmm. So it was mo- very recent. I'm coming up on two years here. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, spent five days there, and then I've been working on depression, anxiety now for two years. I think okay. it's been since I've done something about it right right but before that I'm sure it was affecting you yeah it was my whole life okay it was um a lack of education okay thing and the the hospital was what woke woke me up okay and what was the lack of education like do you want to talk about how you grew up or like how that kind of like what contributed to your psych ward stay easily my childhood like Mm -hmm. everything was good yeah everything was I grew up in Grand Rapids Michigan Mm -hmm. I grew up with a lovely father a lovely mother my older brother protecting me Mm -hmm. he's the football guy Mm -hmm. and everything was good I was happy I got bullied a lot though Mm -hmm. a lot of girls hated me for some reason never understood it but I never communicated it to my family because I've not I never saw it within my family because okay. my brother didn't get bullied right and I always saw my mom cool as hell yeah like she's dope as fuck uh-huh. <laughs> I love my dad mm-hmm. and so I never was able to approach them with bullying as a kid because you were like this isn't something that like this isn't normal so I feel uncomfortable talking yeah about it. so why should I bring it up right it's not happening to anybody else mm-hmm why should I be bringing it up at a dinner conversation that might ruin the mood? (laughs) Right. Totally. Totally. And also you're like, if you think that it's going to ruin the mood, you're also less inclined to bring it up because it's such a heavy subject and you're, you're already uncomfortable about it. Exactly. Is your family one of those family that that's taught, they talk about stuff or they don't talk about stuff? They don't talk about stuff. Okay. So that Um, makes it harder. Yeah. Not until recently. Okay. After the hospital stay, I think all of us talk about our feelings Mm -hmm. way more. (laughs) Um, I think two years ago when I first told my parents about my depression and I recently was abusing alcohol, it was my whole first down spiral getting into the hospital, basically. And I told my parents about it. Mm -hmm. They had no idea how to explain it. They didn't know how to talk. So it it seemed like it came out of nowhere because you weren't talking about it. Exactly. So they kind of were like, what the heck? What yeah. is this, Lauren? Right. <laughs> and, like, it's not a phase, Mom. <laughs> this is real, Mom. It's yeah. so carrying. <laughs> um, and then it turned into being in the hospital and my parents seeing me. They drove down. Okay. Um, they came so down. So you're from, yeah, from Michigan. They drove down from Michigan yep, to the, Illinois. Yep. The hospital called them. 
Okay. And my mom came in, my dad came in, they both started crying. It was Aww. so cute. Um, <laughs> in a non-sadistic way. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The way you said that, you're like, <laughs> I love the attention. They were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Their act was great. Sorry, my dog's chewing on my shoe. Typical Rigby. Hold on. Okay, anyways. That's fluffy. He's like, why would you touch my shoe? <laughs> Anyways. And so as soon as the hospital happened, they did a 180 on feelings. Wow. Okay. I figured out my dad had suffered from depression. Okay. Uh, For about two to three years of his life, he moved out of state, married, unfortunately, a woman that he ended up divorcing Mm -hmm. and created a toxic environment for him. And this he tells me this story out and of you didn't nowhere. know this till like a couple of years ago yeah wow We're just sitting he didn't have any kids dinner. with her right no okay so she had a kid so he's a stepfather okay um but yeah no she uh <laughs> sorry it's funny because my dog doesn't like toys but only when i go on the podcast mm-hmm. he squeaks them so yeah, just like good timing. anytime good timing, on, on a meeting, my cat sits on my computer. Yeah. Like the one yeah. time. He's just like, this is a good place it to was, be. I'm warm now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, so he's a stepfather. You he's saying. a stepfather. He didn't spend too much time with the daughter. And his ex-wife ended up being, um, I guess, abusive. Okay. And he ends up telling me all of this information. Yeah. Casually over dinner. And he tells me he ended up getting a therapist. He was depressed. And my mom and I, we had the same exact conversation. She had talked about times where she was so sad she didn't understand it. And Mm. she would go to her mom and her dad. And they'd be like, okay, cool. Be sad. Do your thing. Right. Figure it out. 60s, 70s. It was really stigmatized back then. No one talked about it. Exactly. And it kind of felt like that was our turning point as a whole entire family that's amazing yeah and my brother started talking to me about his anxiety he started talking to me more Uh because he's becoming more of a support for me because he had no idea right he's like oh wow lauren's he's like i would have been here for you if i knew i needed to be there but i had no idea because nobody would open up Mm mm-hmm and yeah, then I was like, sense. man. <laughs> yeah. But that's the natural it's thing. It's really it nice that it turned out that way because for a lot of families, it doesn't. <laughs> that's what I was most scared about, yeah. I think. Yeah. That's, I think, eventually why I got into that hospital is because I put so much pressure on myself yeah. that people wouldn't understand. Yeah. What made, when you got to the hospital, what made you realize, besides your family, um, talking about it what made you realize that you weren't the only one so the three people and I went on a a Sunday okay which I I've heard on average is a higher rate for uh depression and wanting to and suicidal thoughts yeah because you're going into Mondays. Mm-hmm. So, That's so <laughs> Mondays are that bad. Mondays are that bad, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody hates Mondays. The hospital knows. <laughs> they bill you more on yeah. Mondays. <laughs> and so, uh, that'd be sick. <laughs> that would be sick, dude. You're here on wait Monday. Wait till Tuesday to kill yourself, dude. Just fucking wait. 
Wait a day, goddammit. If God you damn could it. hold on yeah. that thought, just like hold your thought. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. 24 hours and it'll cost $500 less, I promise you. It will save you an ambulance yeah. ride. We'll have more beds. Yeah. <laughs> that's ridiculous, but that's so crazy. It's true, though, because I've heard, like, I mean, there are funny statistics like that that you realize are, like, very relatable and true. And you're like, oh, this mm-hmm. makes so much sense, but it's also so weird. It's so up. weird. Yeah. And it's, we should probably study more into that. Totally. Oh, totally. why Mondays are so stressful. Yeah. Why do we put so much stress on And how on to Monday? make them better, yeah. you know, and how to make them more. What are we doing uh, as a society where Sunday is so stressful you don't want to wake up the next day? That's right. That's okay. <laughs> and that's so funny, too, where it's like for the weekend, I don't like Sundays. They freak me out. Mm-hmm. I wish we just Saturday, Monday. That's yep. I, I, But then Saturday would turn into that Sunday, Sunday feeling. Sunday feeling. And it's like, it's just, it, it's got to be there and mm-hmm. you got to figure out, you know, how to cope with it. But anyway, so you, so you, I, I asked you kind of, you know, how you realize like the moment to open up and stuff. Um, yeah. Um, it's the moment I felt like there were more people involved in this mm-hmm. and there were more people mm-hmm. feeling the same way as me. And that was basically the moment I walked into the hospital because okay. Mondays is where everybody is suicidal. We had mm-hmm. all three patients. Uh, I made the fourth patient. We were all just suicidal. Mm-hmm. And our first month or Tuesday morning, we got we had yoga at 8 a.m. Wow. It was, I will say, the hospital was the worst six thousand dollars of my life, oh, God. but best emotional. Like, like detox of my right. life. Okay, that's good. I am so thankful for the hospital, like good. through and through. Yeah. Because everyone I woke has up, a different experience. Yeah. I woke up at eight a.m. doing <laughs> yoga without my phone or my boss right. or right. emails. And I don't think, yeah, and, and not to interrupt you, but I don't think people talk about that a lot is the positive aspects of the hospital. And there are a lot of negative aspects that I'm sure you went through there. I'm yes. sure it wasn't all roses. Oh, and, yeah. Wednesday came around and it yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wednesday came around and you fuck yoga. <laughs> yeah, fuck yoga. <laughs> I'll tell you, fuck the tree pose, dude. Um, that shit's real. But I don't think people talk about the positive aspects because, yeah, there were a few times, yeah, I've been in the hospital, but the, most of the times that I've been there, they have helped me on the other side. Exactly. They really did. They really did. It's just the actual stay is the hard part. It's overwhelming. Monday and Tuesday (laughs) were the most educational days. Okay. That is where they do the full focus on the two people of uh, mental illness, suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety. Wow. And they... I mean, I had a schedule from 8 to 7 o'clock at night doing things that Mm -hmm. were just pumping me of information. Mm -hmm. You know, I went to those, that kind of hospital. Yeah, okay. And it sounds like the education for you was really beneficial because a lot of times, for people who've been through through the system a lot, they don't know what's going on with them, which Mm -hmm. was your situation where you're like, I wasn't told to open up about my feelings, so I didn't, and then I ended up in this place, and then I learned about it. Whereas a lot of other people will end up in it, but they, they kind of know about it. And the, bo- the the information that was thrown at me, I was like, fuck this, like mm-hmm. bullshit. But I was, I was in a place where like, I was already talking about it before I went to the hospital and it right. wasn't helping. And I, and, I, and I ended up being suicidal and went to the hospital, but mm-hmm. that could be very beneficial for people who don't know it. And they're like, the oh my God, time. other people have this too. That's crazy. You yeah. Know? Oh yeah. And even if I were to, ever get back to that point Mm -hmm. 
the hospital wouldn't be as beneficial. I would easily know that. Right, exactly. Because I was learning more about the drugs that, because I grew up thinking that depression drugs are bad. Mm -hmm. And if you just lack serotonin, you lack serotonin. And that's what Mm, it was. You deal with it. Exactly. Medicine was not the first answer. Right. And so I had hours of (laughs) class talking about what every drug does and what SSRIs are and what and I want to go to this hospital <laughs> it was bougie. you were just like you're you want to kill yourself okay yeah, that, that's all that you know <laughs> want some ice cream for it yeah like literally dude they just give you medication the, the hospitals I went to were not that informative at all there was like a couple like there were nurses that would sit down with me and give me your information but there were really? not classes no oh my goodness no I was I was with a bunch of zombies uh, <laughs> I was with and, a bunch of people who were just sleeping all day I was sleeping all day like it was just fucked up I wanted to yeah. Especially the first day. Yeah. The first day it hits you, we're like, I'm in a hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm in a mental institution. Yeah. What the hell is wrong with me? <laughs> I wanted to sleep all day long. And that's the thing about having anxiety and depression is your your psyche your psyche's like I guess warped a little bit. But it's not warped to the point where you don't realize where you are because, you know, my, one of my great friends who's been on the podcast, Derek, he's mentioned to me, like, very openly, he's like, you know, some of this, like, hospital says, like, I don't remember. I was so in my bipolar, in my bipolar with psychotic features that I just didn't know about it and I didn't remember it or, for whatever reason because he was so clouded by his mental illness. Um, right. But the thing about anxiety and depression is that a lot of times you're just hindered by yourself and your own thoughts. And so you're, you're there but you're, you have the self-awareness to know you're fucked up, but you don't have the self-awareness to know how to fix it. And so when you're there, you're just like, I'm fucked up, but, I, but I'm like, you're, you feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Because yes. you know you're self-aware enough to know that y- you fucked up or mm-hmm. your, your brain's messed up or whatever, oh, yeah. but you don't, you don't have the tools yeah. to fix it. Exactly, and it's the numbness yeah. oh, almost yeah. where you're sitting there and it's almost a, a fight in your head of the logical side saying you're better than this mm-hmm. get out of bed you've you did it yesterday you can do it today get out of bed mm-hmm. and you got the other side that's like can we feel these feelings for a second mm-hmm. you're sad you're depressed mm-hmm. you put a lot of stress on yourself Lauren mm-hmm. sit down yeah <laughs> relax <laughs> Yeah. And then you're just numb and you're just laying there and you're listening to both sides. The feelings are overwhelming. Yeah. I think it's because when you have those two conflicting thoughts, you don't, you feel, again, you feel stuck. So you don't, mm-hmm. you, I think people don't realize the reason why you can't get out of bed is because those two thoughts are so conflicting that they paralyze you. So exactly. you're just sitting there like, okay, but if I get out of bed, then it'll be this. And then if I don't, then it's this. And then you just feel like you can't win. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times in depression, the biggest thing that they talk about is black and white thinking. And it's oh, either yeah. the angel or the devil, or it's nothing. Yes. And it's like, and there's no gray. And the big gray is like, okay, maybe I'll get out of bed for an hour. Let's mm-hmm. see what happens. Let's but people, out. But people aren't able to think that way because they don't have the tools to know. And exactly. so I think that that's like what they teach you. And, and that's what I learned mostly. Yeah. And because I probably spent uh a year prior to that being the highest of my high depression Mm -hmm. i went into a major i had been cheated on by my ex Mm -hmm. and i financially wasn't stable and that was the height of my depression Mm -hmm. and even at that point i mean i 
don't like Tia, don't tell Kellogg's, but I didn't work for like two weeks. I sat in my car yeah. because I would sit in my car and I'd say, you can benefit so much from going inside. Mm -hmm. Your pocket is going to love this. Mm -hmm. And then the comfort of my seat and yeah. the comfort of my phone and the comfort of music right. was no Lauren, like, uh-uh. <laughs> Yeah, we're not we're not stepping outside your comfort zone. Yeah, we're not socializing today. Yeah, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> you're a salesperson. Mm -mm. Yeah, you're not selling today. No, that's what my depression tells me. Yeah, it's well, it's it's the it, it's technically like quote the devil on the shoulder, like it's telling you all these negative things, and, and and they're I mean, unfortunately, and this is how most people are, even if they don't have mental illness, a lot of like negative thoughts are way more powerful than positive thoughts. Oh, easy. Um, and that's that's the hardest part about it um and i'm sure most people can relate to that there's been several times where i'm like oh no i'm not doing that oh, yeah. i've canceled like six appointments this week. <laughs> like no i i dude i that's like my go-to move is canceling things and and it feels so good to mm -hmm. do it but you know that you'd feel way better if just, you actually win yep mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah I know. and i i did it a couple days ago where I, I hate when I do it when I cancel on my therapist. I do that all the time where I'm too anxious to go to my therapy, but I know it will benefit me. Yeah. No, I've napped through several therapy sessions, dude. And I've been like, oh, I'm so sorry. I was, or, or I used to lie, like white lie a little bit yeah. and be like, oh, I'm working. And then I'll do like one work thing and then be like, all right, that was good enough to feel not guilty about canceling. Yep. So let's go to bed. I made one call. Yep. So, mm -hmm. And I can prove it if she's like, hey, I'm going to cancel or charge you a fee. And that's the anxiety. You can take the sc screenshot. Yeah, that's the anxiety through and through. Yeah. Um, um, and the, uh, the bad side of the hospital came out on Wednesday, okay. I would so say. So you were there for two days before you were like, oh, okay. This is I was like, like, this yeah. is the bad side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... That's when, unfortunately, was also the area where the major drug addicts, and I mean, that's why I say it like that, because yeah. I don't appropriately know how to say it, so yeah. I just say the whitest thing I can think of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the drug addicts No, 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 in. yeah. Um, it's okay. But they're, just, they're just addicts. It's okay. They're, they're yeah, the, all that, because there were a lot of gambling addicts that came in. Okay, and, and okay. And some were actually really Sunday funny. for suicide, Wednesdays for addiction. I see. Okay. Awesome. Good to know. Good to know on the count. Wednesdays for gambling. Okay, yeah. And then Thursdays for math. And then we and then we lose all our money on Sunday and we want to kill ourselves. That's the that's the pattern that I see. That's why I'm back here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a, a repeater and she came in, she was saying the same thing where she's like, Did, you told me this shit to Two weeks ago mm -hmm. and i'm not better mm -hmm. do something else yeah and that's when kind of that dreamscape disappeared mm. that's when yoga disappeared that's mm. when we sports disappeared and the reality started coming in right of like yeah this is fun this is a spa but here's the real world and then i got anxious again mm. and i got scared there was this one guy that would walk around and i laugh at it to this day but he was so out of it. He yeah. would rub his ass on every single lunch seat of ours. Okay. So he'd like pull yeah. down his pants and he'd rub his ass and then he'd pull up his pants and then he'd run to the next one. Oh, so he was, And so I'd like, what? Yeah. It, he thought it was... <laughs> 
probably something else. <laughs> right. It was probably some OCD or some yeah. some feature of his disorder that I can't diagnose that. I don't it know what that is. It is the first time I'm seeing it, and these guards oh, yeah. are coming in. They're knocking them down. I'm freaking out. Oh, of course. Like, this is not the hospital stay is, I this wanted. This isn't the yoga that I signed up for. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're like, what position is this? <laughs> Tackled by the guards? I yeah. haven't heard that one. Yeah. No tree pose. But that's when, like, the anxiety started coming back and the reality that this is just what I have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the hospital for two days was a bubble, and it was a fun bubble, and I realized and I educated myself. But the did, re- could I ask a question? Yeah, because of course. Did you feel like, like you were saved almost for the first two days because, like, it was such a different experience than you yeah. had the last couple of days? You were like, oh, okay, so this is what it's like. It's yoga, mm-hmm. it's fun, and it's like I get to talk to people about my depression. And then you get hit, slammed with, like, yeah. actual disorders, and you're like, oh, I got to pull my bootstraps up a little bit mm-hmm. and like, get my shit together. Yeah. Literally, because at that exact moment, it was like, uh, I don't have as much of a disorder. I'm not going to take a bed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So absolutely, it, yeah. Yeah. it turned into more of other people have more and other people have worse. Yeah. I guess more yeah. is the incorrect term yeah. ever. Uh, yeah, and it's to each his own. We, right. we never, like on this podcast, I always want to address that like, you know, there's, there's obviously levels to problems. <laughs> they're, they're, we're never going to acknowledge that, like, you know, yeah. like depression and, and, and how bad this is compared to how bad this is. However, right. in a positive way, you can use that to help yourself. And right. and we and I've talked about this even with people who have very severe disorders mm-hmm. who say that seeing people worse than them. There's really not to, but there really is always something worse or something that you consider worse mm-hmm. because you're not living in it and you don't know what it's like. So you're like, Oh, that seems horrific. Horrible. So I better get my shit together. And that's the human experience. Right. It's like being like, okay, I'm anxious, but they got this going on. I should get my shit together. And maybe there's somebody else for that person too, you know, yes. that they see that's like more fuck, fucked up quote unquote <laughs> for them. Damn them. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. To me, I thought it, it was whack. It was the first mm-hmm. time I had ever seen it. Right. right. I, I grew up with the white picket fence. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I've seen somebody not on drugs, acting like they were on drugs, wiping right. their ass on things. Right. right. I was like, oh my God, I'm so scared. Right. You know? Yeah. And I'm in a hospital for right. depression. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like, whatever. I'm, At least I'm not wiping my here. ass on seats, <laughs> goddammit. I could go back to my job. Yeah. I could go sit in a car. As long as I have my pants on, I think I'm good. <laughs> as long as I got my belt. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, so, so after the hospital, though, what was your what was what did you take away from it, and what was your experience like after? I so going into the more deeper aspect of the hospital, um, leaving. I was required to get a psychiatrist. Okay. Um, and I was required to get a therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually was in the hospital for alcohol abuse. Okay. And uh, suicidal thoughts. Okay. So that was tied to my profile. Okay. Which I had, is hard because, like, if you, yeah, go ahead. And I abused alcohol easily, yeah. and I will admit to it. Yeah. Hands down, I spent a full year trying to cope with my emotions by 
drinking a beer, drinking anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've read and I've heard that it's a common thing to do. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> We're all you are drinking. not alone. That's for that's for Wednesdays, Lauren. That's uh, yeah, it's a pretty common thing to have an alcohol addiction. So you're not alone. <laughs> we all kind of have. It. Yeah. Um, and so I had to go to AA mm-hmm. to get out of the hospital. Were you like court ordered at all, or just kind of no. like okay? So it's like. I didn't, I didn't end up going okay. because of it. So they're like, you have to you have to make this appointment for mm-hmm. you to get out. Yeah. And you have to make this. So I called. I made all of the appointments, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I didn't end up going because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not, I'm not addicted. I mm-hmm. made a mistake. I was stupid. Mm-hmm. And I've learned. And well, there, you know, and, and I think it's important to address on the podcast. Like, they're really, I was just talking about this. There really is a difference between, like, using it to cope versus being an addict they're really yes. it's a very fine line very, it's a very, very fine, fine line. line because you know you could be like oh you're an alcoholic mm-hmm. because for sure you're wasted all the oh, time yeah. but there is a clear like line where it's like okay are they depressed in doing this or are mm-hmm. they can't help themselves and they're drinking morning till mm-hmm. night morning to night because they like you know my my brother told me he's like drew don't ever smoke cigarettes i hate them they're disgusting but he can't he can't stop mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, That's the yeah, addict. Yes. Versus like, I'm doing this to cope. It's good be- for now, mm-hmm. but I definitely know I'll run myself into the ground and I, and I can't do this and I, I need help for depression, not for alcoholism. And, it, and exactly. it's, it's, it's definitely case by case. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a doctor, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I've, I've lived, I've grew up with an addict and mm-hmm. I know um, the patterns that, my brother had versus the pattern that some of my friends have had. And I've seen the difference between being a heavy partier and being an addict. And it's a yes. fine line, but it's very different. It's a very fine line. Yeah. And my um, sister-in-law brought it up. She is the only one in, she's now a Pratt. Uh, so only one in the Pratt family to go outside of business. Okay. And she is actually, she's got her doc- doctorate in social work. Okay. Um, awesome. And she works for a nonprofit. She's amazing and sensible Mm -hmm. (laughs) and she brought that up and because I was crying on the phone I was like I don't want to go to AA I don't want to be a 20 I was like 22 yeah 22 year old going to AA yeah it's scary it's scary because you walk in and a lot of people are older than you and and they're addicted yeah like well, have, heavily, heavily, heavily addicted. addicted. And my, my brother's a heroin addict, but he has been to both AA and NA. Um, but it's very intimidating when you're young. Um, I know a lot of young people that have been to it, and it's it's a very intimidating process just because the people that have been in it are fully in yes. it. And you're like, I don't know if I belong because I just mm-hmm. walked in. And it's, it's intimidating. Yeah. It's very intimidating. Absolutely. And I was, at that moment, I was so nervous. And so I called up Claire. And, and my brother, he was there too. Um, but she said that and she said, do you think you used alcohol because you need it or because it made your depression better? Mm. And I said, it made my depression better because mm-hmm. you don't need to go. Mm-hmm. You can go if you want. Right, right, right. You know? Because it, you can learn, because to be honest, you, you can, can learn, learn how to cope this. without. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And so I cope with weed now. <laughs> switch advice for yeah. advice, my baby. Hell yeah, dude. It's soda or weed. Yeah. <laughs> Weed's a, uh, the thing is, <laughs> advice is still advice, but weed is healthier per it's, se. It's, it's the lesser of two advice. evils. So once, so once you were like, all right, I don't need this. How did you figure out? Because the big question is, it's not that you're an addict, but that was your way of coping. 
Mm-hmm. So how did you figure out how to cope without it? Talking. Okay. That's oh my great. gosh. <laughs> and I think that's what I lacked my whole entire life. That lock mm-hmm. that opened it up was just talking. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up going sober for about eight months. Okay. That's awesome. Good um, for yeah. you. I, and it was great because I felt like I needed it because I needed to learn how to cope without it. Mm-hmm. I needed to know that it's not my everyday. Yep. And I needed to know that this depression was real. That's powerful. It's <laughs> powerful because it's like without your, because you're, you're telling yourself, hey, without this alcohol, I got a problem. Mm-hmm. I got yes. a problem. Versus like, okay, let's cover it up. And it's not there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, no, if I take the alcohol away, there's still that there. Yes. It's still lying there. And I have to address it. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Yeah. And it's a big deal because I just ended up in the hospital because of it. Yeah. So I should definitely still take this pretty serious. Yeah. And so I started off doing therapy. I started off, um, I got on medication for the very first time. Um and i really just started talking i created more friends i was still in a very toxic environment after the hospital so i was in a toxic environment before the hospital and of course five days doesn't change toxicity no no it's five days (laughs) exactly so i still came out into a world that was disheveled toxicity doesn't change overnight yeah and so I wiped out all uh, crutches in my life. So which were and, beyond uh, alcohol, which were what? I was still smoking a little bit, but just alcohol, my sleeping medication, anything okay. as white as I could get my hands on. <laughs> you know, NyQuil. Yeah. DayQuil. <laughs> I didn't know. I lived in Naperville. I didn't know anything. I was blonde at the time. Tide like, pods. Tide pods. I was, you know. Hand sanitizer. <laughs> just doing anything I could. <laughs> so I unfortunately kept myself in that toxic environment but i kept myself in the toxic environment sober and that's really important to like talk about yeah because that's i've been there i'm just saying i'm just saying so weird experiencing drama experiencing ptsd experiencing toxic environments sober because Anything that is confrontational, I drink. Yep. Like, no, 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 no. Don't talk to me about my feelings. Don't talk to me about anything that I feel important on. Mm-hmm. And so these environments started happening again. And it was so easy to just take back. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, I don't need this in my life. So did you, okay, here's the, here's the question I have for you. Let's so if it. you learned how to cope without alcohol... You said, okay, I'm going to take alcohol out, but you never learned how to cope without it, though. So you were thrown into the world kind of like, I'm sure the hospital taught you some stuff. I was just thrown back out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you, you were, you're like, okay, I won't drink. Yeah. I won't drink. That's, yeah. that, and to acknowledge, that's really hard. Yeah. However, you're not told how to cope without it, though, when that was your vice. So then you're going to end up in the same environment. It's just going to be harder to cope with because you had such an easy out you had a cop out and that was booze yes and that was what was so hard about 
experiencing all of this sober. And you just started talking about your feelings five days ago. <laughs> <laughs> like I just countable told... days. <laughs> Less than like a, a week. Whole, a whole hand. A whole yeah, hand. a whole hand. That's you it. Know? You only got five days, dude. Open up. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. I just figured out, you know, I could smile five days yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. genuinely. <laughs> You know, I always had a fake smile. I always had, you know. <laughs> the booze did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the vodka smile. <laughs> it's my vodka smile. <laughs> and so, yeah, it, I got thrown back into the wolves. Yeah. I felt like I was drowning again. You know, the hospital was great. The hospital, two days was fun. It was me and my depression breakfast club. Yeah, you know, we literally. loved it. Mm-hmm. And then... Except the guy wiped his ass on his seat before <laughs> Until breakfast. Until Wednesday. It was more sanitary, but we made it. That was before COVID time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and coming right back into it, I had to own up to my shit. Mm. I had been an asshole to a lot of people. I was drunk all the time. I okay. said mean things. You were an angry drunk? Oh, I'm a, I was. Okay. I'm not anymore. Yeah. Because uh, I like... Because you learned. Because, yeah, yeah, I've learned. But I was such a mean drunk Mm -hmm. i said the meanest things i've been a horrible person and that's one of the hardest things that i had to admit to myself that it's i mean yeah is that i was an asshole Mm -hmm. i was shit i treated people like shit and that hurt me yeah coming back out being sober and all of these flashbacks are starting to come back of when I was drunk. And you don't have the alcohol to cope with it. Exactly. And so I'm sitting here with all of these flashbacks it's of hard. when I was an ass and when I said really mean things. I didn't even know like words could be that mean, mm-hmm. let alone coming from me. Yeah. And so I spent about two days all alone writing notes, writing apologies, in writing admittance of wow. what I did. And it, it was hard. Oh my yeah. God, I apologize to too many people, I yeah. feel like. It's better than no one. You exactly. Know? And it. I think that was also another one of my turning points is because I How was, did you get through that? Because I think for people who get thrown back out it's really hard for them to cope and then because because for for aa just to let people know like that's one of the steps in aa is is, um you're kind of i mean in the christian world it's like repenting your (laughs) sins but then in the aa world it's going to people and quite literally not knocking on the door saying Mm -hmm. i know how my alcoholism or my addiction affected you i am so sorry what can i do you know please forgive me type of thing, but, but I'm, but I'm acknowledging it yes. and I will change. And it's not like a, sorry, Bye. let me run. Exactly. <laughs> it's a, sorry, I'll sit here until I fix it mm-hmm. to how you want it and because I'm, I'm ready to change. Yes. And so, but the hard part about that is that you don't, cause those two days you said were so hard. How did you cope with that? Was Music? your coping? Okay. Was your coping that... like, was that helpful though to apologize? Cause sometimes yeah. that's super helpful. Oh Yeah. It, it felt amazing. Because you're a good person. <laughs> yeah, I think that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. I think you didn't mean to do it. Exactly. And it was the admitting I didn't mean to do it, but the admitting that I did do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, as yeah. cheesy as it sounds, like music, it, I didn't stop playing music for two days straight. 
Yeah. While I was writing these notes. Mm-hmm. While I was admitting to it. Did everything. you mail them or did you like give them in person? Um, so I tried to give a couple of them in person and I had hurt their feelings too much that I just left it outside their door. Okay. Um, and then there were others that I did mail yeah. um, because I had their addresses. Okay. Um, and then somewhere in person. Mm-hmm. And we had dinner over it or lunch over it or something like that. And I told them about my experience. I told them about, you know, I'm not that person. Because mm-hmm. I grew up in a white picket fence. I'm, I'm a happy kid. Yeah. I'm a happy person. I'm a nice person. I don't know why I was so mean. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able to have those conversations with people and admit my wrong Mm -hmm. felt so good. Mm -hmm. It felt amazing. And were there, so what were the responses? Some were decent. Okay. Some were good. Some Mm -hmm. were great. Um, I'm still friends with a couple of the people that I sent notes over to. and we still go out and we hang out and we go drink and everything yeah. and we're still happy. I definitely had a lot of, all right, cool, go fuck yourself. Okay. <laughs> but but you're able to be like, I get it. Yeah. So that's the thing that shows change about you is that you're able to be like, I respect that because I know I hurt you. Yeah. Versus being defensive and being like, fuck you, I didn't mean it. <laughs> and you're like, no, I fucked up and you have a right to respond however you want to respond because I fucked up. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very mature yeah, it's of you on them at the end of yeah. the day. Yeah, it is. And, and it's probably hard to stomach it, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of putting it, and I'm that person. I, I always leave the last text message. Yeah. I always have the last because yeah. I never want somebody feeling like, they didn't get heard. Mm. So I kind of wanted to do that with them. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to leave that last You're like, at least on a I, good note. I did what know, I could. Exactly. And I did did as much as you could, too. Because exactly. that's, really, that's really as much as you could do. You, you tried to better yourself. And I bought some gifts for some people, too. And I, like went out and about and I was like oh I know they like this so I bought it you were being thoughtful and it's like and and I think people need to understand that like addiction or like you know the way it it made for you it's like the way that you coped can turn you into a monster and and it and and you're not that yeah but you have to acknowledge that that was a part of you because you heard a lot of people and it's it's hard um I you know I didn't I didn't have that experience because I've I've been so scared of addiction um, mm. because of the situation that I grew up with, but I definitely know what it's like to um, like see, you know, my brother has not apologized to me yet, mm. but I do know that um, there have been times where he's definitely like said like I'm an addict and, and um, that Almost kind of stuff. Almost minded Yeah, but he mm. doesn't, I don't think he gets it yet how it affects other people. Um, so my brother has not apologized to me, but I do think that he, like, he, he's acknowledged a few times that he's an addict. But I don't think that he's gotten to the point where he could ever do that. Um, he also has Asperger's, so yeah, it's really I hard for him to that. acknowledge his emotions in general. Mm-hmm. And then also to have empathy is very hard for somebody who has 
Asperger's in general, and then on top of that, the addiction. Addiction. Once you don't, even if you don't admit it, you're never going to have empathy because you're like, I'm not an addict, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I think it's it's very important to do that. Um, and at least the people who got those letters for you, even if they didn't, you didn't get the response you thought you would, they got closure. And that's the yeah. most important thing um, because a situation like that happened to me recently where someone kind of like came at me and then they apologized and it gave it did give me a lot of closure it really it really did and and i and it doesn't mean that i'm gonna be best friends with them again or whatever but i i at least acknowledge it and i'm able to be like okay they know what they did and Mm -hmm. they know that they fucked up Mm -hmm. good for them i hope i hope the best for them i don't wish bad on anybody i know people are people and it's Mm -hmm. like you can fuck up and you can be the great person at the same time so i get it people go through cycles and phases and things and and i understand um, but what, what was your response to the people who didn't react the way you wanted them to? And how did you cope with that? I probably cried for days. Okay. So it's hard. <laughs> so it's hard. But you oh, need to let people yeah. know that you're not going to be like, oh, oh I just got oh, over no, it. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, so now that I have acknowledged my feelings, I feel them hard. And especially right out of the hospital is the first time that I'm ever really feeling these feelings. And my therapist is telling yeah, me, you've like, got to acknowledge this. When did you first this. go to the hospital, by the way? 20? I'm coming up on two years. Okay. 2019. So, so April 1st, And how old are you? You're 24, right? Yes. So 22. Okay. So you yes. went 22 years without talking yeah. about anything pretty much. Basically. And when yeah. did, when did you come out? 20. 1920 okay okay now i didn't know same with uh, being gay yeah i wasn't educated enough yeah i was just kissing guys because i thought it was normal and then i kissed a girl and i was like holy shit <laughs> this makes sense <laughs> same with my depression mm-hmm. i was like i'm sad i'm sad i'm sad oh my god i had an explosion oh it's depression whoa <laughs> did your did your coming out help your depression at all or did it make things worse? i think it it made things worse in the realm of falling in love yeah it's a whole new world now. it's a whole new world yeah because i never connect i dated guys i had been with guys <laughs> you're like <laughs> they're whatever, whatever. they're they're fart. boys boys are boys and i started dating girls for the first time and being with girls for the first time and i felt something mm. so i felt hard I loved every single girlfriend that I had through and through. Like, I was a, I was a lesbian. I'm a U-Haul lesbian. <laughs> I love a lesbian. <laughs> like, if I could get, you know, my Doc Martens and a U-Haul, I would. Like, I love We got to have a few more sales before we do that. <laughs> yeah. I actually don't have any money. Please don't. <laughs> Anyone hold me for that. <laughs> I am actually wearing Toms from 2014. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it opened up so many feelings that I hadn't felt before. Mm-hmm. Like love, like adoring, attraction. Mm-hmm. So it was easier for me to connect with people. 
Oh, it, when sure. It came I feel out, like if you're just coming out too and you're having those feelings, you're infatuated with everyone. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. I loved everybody. You're discovering what love is, and that's like the whole. I mean, and, and not to sound cheap, but that's the whole point of living. <laughs> exactly. It is. It is. That's really. That's really all it is. Is to find that. So. Is to find that second person, mm-hmm. and I figured out what that feeling is and what that want is, and so it made it harder when I came out because I addressed feelings I hadn't addressed but it also gave me a support system that I didn't know I had Mm -hmm. so you had a back you had an alcohol you had your alcohol kind of yes you know like you had Mm -hmm. you had a a a thing that was going to be helpful to cope and I think a lot of people don't know what that experience is like I don't know what it's like Mm -hmm. I'm you know I'm straight but my stepbrother came out Mm -hmm. and it's not easy. It's not like he came out and everyone's like, yay. It's like, no, now I have to address these feelings I've suppressed my whole life. Yeah. So it's going to take a second. It's going to be a little sec. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a minute. <laughs> even with my mom, like I have adjusted my wardrobe. I have adjusted how I communicate with people just because I am now feeling more comfortable. You're yourself. In my skin. Yeah. Right. And it's not that I've lost who I was. No. But is I'm adapting it. Yeah. And You're becoming the fullest you. Exa- I've never felt more alive. I've never Amazing. felt so cool. <laughs> <laughs> With my U-Haul and my Doc Martens. Yeah, my Doc Martens. <laughs> They're in style. <laughs> I bought a house, by the way. Yeah. See, you want to talk about no. that? Um, yeah, it, it was pretty cool. <laughs> I bought you a house. Know, like, pretty it, cool. That's the thing is it, it gave me so much clarity. And freedom, like, probably. Exactly. Yeah. And I started feeling a little bit better and a little bit more of who I was. And so coming out was tough. It was hard. <laughs> and I think did, my, it, did it feel like like um, kind of how hard it was to apologize to everyone again where you had to like address the feelings that not because I'm not saying like you fucked up, obviously. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, fuck, I'm gay, dude. Yeah, you fucked yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, but I'm saying is it, it's that it's that oh, I have to address something that I haven't addressed, mm-hmm. and I have to say it to people, kind of thing. Yes, actually. Um, so I came out before telling my pre- parents I was depression, and that I had depression, okay. and that's why I find so funny is that I was more comfortable talking about my sexuality with my parents than I was my mental health. <laughs> so, so that's how suppress the feelings yeah. were. <laughs> they just like have a shovel and they're like, this is the Pratt family's feelings and they just go deep into the earth. They're like, all right, let's bring the gay one out real 1932, quick. someone lost a father. What's going on? How are you feeling about yeah. that? <laughs> and so, excuse me. Uh, I, I have been back. coughing all over my microphones with your covid scary about that um you were saying you were coming out and you're you came out to your parents before you came out with your yeah so when i came out um i started my sentence so i didn't Mm -hmm. come out to my parents until i knew until i was positive okay because you sounded like you're just like i got a a test and it it was 100 percent yeah (laughs) <laughs> no one had and you're hair, gay. so let me, <laughs> yeah. let me try this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I, I was in a relationship, or I was dating a girl for a couple months. 
and that's when I finally decided to come out to them. It's because I was like, you know, it's I gotta be for sure. Yeah, I'm coming to a Catholic family. My mom grew up Catholic. My dad grew up semi-Irish Catholic. Okay. And so I'm coming to this family. I'm not going to be like, hey, I'm gay. Right. Two years later, I'm dating a guy. And I didn't want to freak him out. Like, I'm not. Yeah. I worded that incorrectly. I was like, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. I'm not. I'm not, by the way. Yeah. Fully gay. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to assure that yeah. when coming to my family. And so when I told them... I planned everything out, like the anxiety person that I am. Of I course, planned of course. every second, yeah, every it's a big word. Thing. Yeah. And the first thing that I said was, um, I'm dating someone new. Her name is Ashley. Mm. And the second I said her, I cried. Bald. Like oh, a little wow. bit. I couldn't get it out. Oh. Because it was so much feeling. It was the first time I was telling my fe- my parents this, mm-hmm. my feel. And I said her, and I was gone. I couldn't finish my site statement. And my dad looked at me. My, we all kind of stood in silence. Yeah. And it was the same exact thing when I told my parents I had depression. I said, I've been diagnosed with de-, And I started crying. Yeah. I couldn't get it out. Yeah. <laughs> it's labels. Yeah. It's labels. It's hard. And I said, I have depression. I mm. had I had a small panic attack while I told them. I was sitting there. I was like, <laughs> I have depression. Tissues, where are you? <laughs> I was drinking the wet red yeah. wine. <laughs> I have depression. Um, <laughs> this is not helping, but. Um, so it was exact same feelings. And it is the same time that I'm admitting my feelings for the first time and I'm creating myself as a whole being Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I came out and I had that conversation and I talked about my depression and I had that conversation and now let's put all of these pieces together. Let's own everything. Yeah. Good for you. That's amazing. Because I, I, I don't want to not own it. Yeah. And that's what you've done since you, since you've, you know, realized um the things that were not wrong but it was wrong. different about you i'm saying in the depre- oh, in the yeah, depression in health, yeah. In the, yeah like <laughs> as far as like not wrong with you but were different or things that you did that were not okay like bullying people or saying mean things to people or right. stuff like that like you acknowledged it um and and same thing with coming out is is you you got to acknowledge these hard things and it, it's a build up because if you haven't talked about it with anybody else and it's your first time saying it you're like I can't even get it out it's I a massive build up yeah a massive it, it must it, have felt like a relief it felt amazing and yeah. I told uh, my girlfriends I have uh, girlfriends of there's five of us so I'm the sixth person um, and I told them after my very first date with a girl. And so the girl actually dropped me off at where I was meeting my girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just got off a date with the girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I felt myself. Oh, totally. And every single totally. one of them were just like, yeah, we know. <laughs> They're like, we were actually waiting for you to walk in and tell us. <laughs> we we, we didn't know the timing, time. but we knew. <laughs> we were counting on it. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so I had that great reaction at first. So it gave me time to develop myself as a gay person. You had a base. You had a foundation. You're like, okay, so if I, you know, get 
stigmatized by anybody else, I can come to these I people. I got these girls. And they get me. Mm-hmm. And they knew before I knew. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's my... typically how it works. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've had brother... friends at the same thing. So, yeah, yeah. I told my brother. He's like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was crying. I was one of my bawling. One of my best friends from college, he came out and I was like, he told me like I like hooked up with someone last night and I was like, oh yeah, okay. Like I, like I didn't even, I was yeah. like, good for you, but like yeah. I, I knew. Yeah, you know? like good job. Yeah, exactly. I was like, hell yeah, dude, like get that dick, you know? But, <laughs> but like I knew I was like, and everybody would be like, oh no, he says he's straight. And I'm like, but I know him. Yeah. <laughs> like I've, 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 we've gone shopping together. We've and been there. We've yeah. been drunk together. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we've made out and he doesn't like me. So <laughs> that's a problem. And he's gay. <laughs> if he doesn't like me, he's I'm fucking gay. Kisser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I bring it, dude. <laughs> But yeah, no, I knew, and it was the same thing where I was like, I support whatever you do, and it was a similar situation where he mm-hmm. grew up in a very southern Christian, fa- Arkansas, like very <laughs> yeah, like like KKK territory, like that's where he was, and he told me, and I was like, I fucking got you, anybody yeah. that comes your way, I'm fucking swinging, you know, and so like I, I I supported him, and yeah. and I think those girls like they they probably don't realize how important it is to you, but it's very important. No, they don't at all. And I think you acknowledging it is just you being there as a friend. Having that first support system. It's everything. Is everything. I still, so the first time I made out with a girl, I went to a, volunteered at a soup kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! The next day, (laughs) I was like coming out of this girl's house and I was like, gotta go to the soup kitchen. (laughs) And so I was volunteering with one of my best friends, Anna, and I had slept in this girl's bed. I hadn't told anybody. I made out with this girl. I was in her bed. I Were was, you like itching to tell your oh, friend when I you was yeah. freaking out because my yeah. heart was pumping? I was feeling feelings. Yeah, I had like hung out with someone I liked. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and you hadn't felt that before because you were with guys, and you're like, this fucking sucks. Yeah, I was like, when is friends gonna be over? I'm yeah. over this. <laughs> like, totally. I'm counting down. Yeah. And I sat her down at the lunch break. I was like, Anna, I kissed a girl last night, and I liked it. She goes, okay. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. And then that's it. it. That's Can you pass the ladle? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, what's, what's hey, new? he's coming up. Come yeah. on, put your gloves on. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. And that is the, like, most important part of coming out or anything mental health Anything when it comes to being so vulnerable is the ability to have a support system that is neutral. Yes. That responds neutrally. Exactly. No, like, it's fine, but I didn't expect that from you. That's, that's, that you don't want, you just want like, yeah, dude, I know. And, and I'm here for you. And that's it. Calmness is very, it's very important to be almost unreactive Mm -hmm. and very supportive because that way you know that when something comes up, they're going to be also neutral. Exactly. Um, and support you as well. So um, we got to wrap up things a little bit. But do you want to tell people, like, where they can find you, Instagram? I um, actually – so I am a complete dad with my phone. And I will <laughs> completely ad- admit to it. I don't know anything. I don't know my social media <laughs> handles. Mean? Okay, I, I know your. I can do it for you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pulling it up right now. I can now. do it for I'm you. I'm only on Instagram. I think I'm on TikTok a couple times. 
Yeah, you got a you got a TikTok that blew up, right? Yeah, it was just one TikTok. <laughs> I've been trying to be funny since then, and You're it really hasn't funny, worked. Dude. Okay, I got uh, you. Your Instagram is at Lauren Page, spelled with two E's, L A U R E N P A I G E E O six. Instagram okay. follower. She's funny as fuck. <laughs> and then what's your TikTok? Um, my TikTok. Tiki TikTok. Um, is Lauren Page Pratt. And that is just my name. Okay, and awesome. And then um, I, I, sometimes I ask this, and I haven't been doing it recently, but I just wanted to ask, like, what's, what's one thing that you would give advice to somebody who's going through like a similar situation to you? What, just one piece of advice. Rely on your friends. Okay. They're the people that grew up with you in the same time era, the t- same time zone. They have the same mindset. Yeah. They're going to understand it more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. is your friends yeah perfect um okay so lauren page 06 on two instagram e's. two e's baby, Double e. <laughs> baby. <laughs> and tiktok is lauren page Pratt. Lauren Pratt. Lauren, Lauren Pratt. Page Pratt. Lauren Page Pratt. I love All that of name. It. She's, you're going to be famous one day. That's a, that's a sick name. If you're not famous, that's, that's a shittiness to your name, my friend. It's LPP. LPP, baby. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having you're me. You're welcome. I and thank you guys here. so much for listening to Doing Time. Um, please don't forget, um, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It's very simple. Um, and thank you so much for listening to Doing Time. Bye.